Winter break is just around the corner. Then it'll be 2022 somehow. Portland Public School teachers have a New Year's resolution. More time to prepare lessons, grade, and help students falling behind. Their bosses say, not so fast. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with you, Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source Health Plans, for supporting the show. Up next, Edder Campazano, education reporter for The Oregonian and Oregon Live. We talked about how the first three months of the school year went, what students, staff, and administrators have to say about the latest unusual school year, what next year may look like, and much more. Here's our conversation. Edder Campazano, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Edder, it's so hard to believe it's December and winter break for public school students is right around the corner. Um, it's wild. What's the sense you're hearing on how these first three months of school went in uh, the state's largest school district and beyond? Right. So, you know, I've talked to parents, students, teachers from various districts over the last few months. And um, I think if you can sum it up in just a few words... It's, uh, everyone's feeling like it's really nice to be into a groove, right? To be back mm-hmm. in the rhythm of certain things, even though we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and the experience has been a little bit different for everybody, right? So some students are struggling a lot more than others. Others are just glad that they're seeing their friends face to face, even if it's under masks and, you know, kind of just having that traditional, you know, full day experience um, right once again yeah well so that's the the student perspective but um obviously the students are there learning uh from teachers and you had some um pretty interesting reporting last week um that pointed to what teachers in pps are are thinking about and and the the union workforce um can you kind of describe for people who might have missed that what exactly teachers in uh, Portland Public are are thinking uh, uh, about right now and and how that was met by uh, the administration? The core of what teachers in PPS are saying is that they're overworked, that student needs are so sky high on the social and emotional side, on the academic side, that they don't have enough time in the day to assess, right? Like look at each kid individually and say, all right, so-and-so needs this. So-and-so needs that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and block out my day so that I make sure that I'm, you know, um, touching on these points throughout the day with, with this student, that student, this student, um, and then behaviors, right? So kids had about a year and a half of interrupted learning that has manifested in some really pretty intense behavioral issues at, at a lot of schools. So in addition to, you know, a lot of, fighting in hallways, a bit more of a tense atmosphere, especially in some of the secondary schools, you add on top that component of that social emotional gap, the kind of academic lag that that some students experience because of the pandemic. And teachers are saying that they're, they're, they're burned out. They have too much on their plates right now. Some of them, I think about quarter of survey respondents to a union survey said that they're putting in way more, right, than the 40 hours a week that their contract asks of them. That's kind of workload-wise where teachers are at. The solution that PAT, the Portland Association of Teachers, is proposing, um, and maybe we'll start with the uh, with the items that have not made the headlines. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of uh, some, some of the things that the union is 
proposing that the district is completely on board with uh, one of them being to minimize the amount of committee meetings that that teachers have to attend, right? Building committee meetings. So the union says safety committee. Awesome. You know, we know safety is an issue. Uh, safety is a priority. We should have teachers sitting in on those meetings still, you know, site committees, you know, those kinds of essential functions. We're all for it. But all of the other sort of meetings that you have us do, please don't have us do anymore. And the district is saying, okay, yeah, we'll do whatever we can to minimize the amount of meetings you're in. Because that's, that's time that they're not grading, that they're not preparing mm-hmm. for lessons and, mm-hmm. and that nature, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and the other thing is that the union is asking for central office staffers to shift away from coming into buildings to do recess duty and lunch duty, right? Just like monitoring when kids are in, in the halls and um, out on the playground. So they're saying that they want more central administration support in the classroom and central office administrators saying, yes, by all means, we can kind of shift those resources around. We can't do a lot of the sort of acute sort of work that you would need for a student on an individualized education plan. But we were we we're more than happy to do a little bit more classroom support so that you have that in the classroom. The thing that's really, really, really blowing up right now is that for elementary and middle schoolers, the Portland Association of Teachers is asking for uh, one early release or late start day per week for the remainder of the of the school year after winter break. And so the um, deputy superintendent of instruction, Sean Bird, has calculated that out to to be about 10 full lost days for the yeah. rest of the school year. Um, so, you know, those kiddos in elementary and middle school going home early uh, or uh, starting late that often in high schools. What the union is proposing is on days that, you know, a student goes to every single one of their classes because, you know, they're on an A-B schedule. One day you go to four classes, the next Mm -hmm. day you go to four. Um, One day a week, every high school, every comprehensive high school has students attend all eight of their classes for about 44 minutes. And the union is saying on those days, keep them home. Keep them home so that they're checking in for office hours virtually if they need it. But educators need that break to plan a weekly break to plan for the coming week, kind of assess what are the big issues right now? Who needs one on one help in this area, that area, that area? And the teachers are basically saying, give us time to properly plan for this kind of historic backlog that we've got in terms of needs that we need to assess for our students. How'd that go over (laughs) with with the uh, with the board or with the administration uh, itself? The union and PPS administration has so far undergone two bargaining sessions um, on that proposal. And these bargaining sessions were always supposed to happen. They weren't specifically supposed to happen, you know, for this proposal. But when the union and the district agreed on their entry protocol for schools back in the summer, the plan was always at some point during the fall quarter, uh, or before winter break, we're going to sit down again, reassess how things have been going, and then kind of like chat about what an agreement looks like going forward. That's This is that conversation right okay. now. Okay. So during two meetings over the course of the last week, on the first one, PAT threw the proposal out, administrators molded over. The second meeting, basically, Sean Bird came back and said, 
absolutely not. This is not something that we can support. At least the, the, um, having high schoolers stay home for, for, for one day a week. He said, again, by all means, we will minimize the amount of committee meetings you're in. We will have central office staff kind of focus on, um, supporting in the classroom as much as they can. But this is a non-starter. We absolutely cannot support keeping high school students home for another day of virtual instruction. And that's, you know, largely from what he was saying, because of the fact that if you look at um, the disparities, right, in terms of who fell behind over the course of an entire year of distance learning, it was right. largely Black, Indigenous, Latino students. Um, and district administrators say that they do not want to see that happen even more, um, you know, if we have to go back to virtual learning for one day for our high schoolers. And what what is the union response to that line of argument, if if you've heard it? Because I would imagine that, you know, um, from their view, they're saying, look, we're trying to work to help these very students by getting more time. Like it's kind of a catch 22, perhaps. I don't know. That's just my read, but I don't know what they have to say about it. So the union line really is, you know, we want to focus on quality over quantity. And so in so many ways, you know, um, union negotiators and even um, union folks that I've talked to have kind of tried to cast the proposal in a way that's not we're losing something, right? They're trying to say we would gain something by having adequate teaching time. You know, wouldn't you rather have you know, 1600 minutes of quality instruction versus 1700 minutes of mediocre instruction over the course of the week for, for your high schooler. That's kind of where, where the union is coming at. And on at least one day per week per period, you know, high schoolers have what's called flex time. And so that's when, you know, you check in with your teacher, but for the most part, you're in the building but you can do whatever you need to do in order to uh, make the best use of your day, whether it's to stay in the classroom and get that one-on-one attention or whether it's to go to the library and study. And what PAT is also saying is that, okay, if you take our proposal, we'll get rid of flex time during the week and we'll incorporate the flex time into those days when students are learning virtually so that no matter what, on those days where a student is in the classroom, they are definitely in front of the teacher doing the, you know, the traditional instruction, and you're not going to have flex time during the week. It's just going to be um, kind of shifting it to whatever day we want to keep the high schoolers home. And, you know, one of the sort of uh, misconceptions, uh, I, I want to say, about what the uh, plan would entail is that the union wasn't asking specifically for Fridays to be that day. That's mm-hmm. just when most schools have that sort of, you know, all eight periods, 44 minutes a day. Um, and so what the union was saying on the second round of negotiations was that their preference might be to have that be a Wednesday so that you have two in-person instruction days on either side of it, you know, to assuage parent and um, administrative fears of like, oh, a three-day gap between between lessons. Since you reported on, on these negotiations, what's the feedback been, you know, in your mailbox or on your voicemails? Are you hearing from parents? Yeah. And overwhelmingly it is no, we, we cannot, you know, have our high schoolers home for another day again. Um, you know, one of the things that, 
uh, parents worry about is, you know, while they're out at work for working parents, right? What are we supposed to do if all of a sudden we've got to maneuver around? For the high schoolers, it's not that big of a problem, right? It's, uh, right. you know, they're older, they can take care of themselves, but it's for the youngins, um, you know, oh, how am I supposed to reconfigure my schedule for an early release or a late start all of a sudden now, right? Um, so that's overwhelmingly from what I'm hearing what I'm seeing on social media, it is parents and even parents who are otherwise and typically more sympathetic to the plight of teachers saying, you know, no, this is not the way we were thinking this year was going to go. Um, and yeah, it's it's mostly negative on the part of parents that I've heard from that I've seen um, that I've talked to. I'm curious at her as someone who's covered education for a while now. I mean, this is not, um, you know, I would imagine that this sentiment of not having enough time to prepare and adequately teach te- teach kids, this is not coming out of left field, right? This has been an undercurrent that I would imagine has been a something PPS teachers have have been upset about or worried about for years, right? Because full disclosure, I'm married to a teacher. She's not a Portland public teacher, but um, teachers work a lot outside the, the office, so to speak, and. Um, and, and I'm assuming that Portland public was concerned about this before the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, like as with so many other things, you know, I think the, the ongoing theme of conversations surrounding the pandemic, what it's done to education, especially is that it, it didn't create a lot of new problems so much as it just made everything worse, right? Everything that was bad before just got worse. And that's yeah. definitely been the case for a uh, teacher workload because I mean, to be fair, you've got a lot of teenagers especially, kids in middle school and and high school who didn't get to adjust to these new surroundings, right? So a freshman in high school right now had one year of uninterrupted middle school before they had a year and a half of just kind of topsy-turvy, staying yeah. home, learning virtually and didn't get that full 3 years to matriculate Mm -hmm. um, and really bake into those new behaviors going from um, elementary school to middle school to high school, right? And so you're seeing that play out in a ton of different ways um, over the last, over the last few months. Yeah. And I should note, we're talking about public school students here, but obviously this is not, this is Everyone, everyone went through this. So this is not just uh, something that that public school kids are are struggling with, and, and educators. Um, this is uh, across the gamut. Everyone's been in the same boat, <laughs> going through rocky seas for the last, you know, almost two years now. Yeah. What does this mean for school in January? Just talking about Portland Public, but do we know what school is going to look like? Um, you know, we have this disagreement you just highlighted about workload and, and prep time. How is this going to look in January? So that all of that is super foggy and unclear because the Portland School Board met in executive session on Friday. Typically, journalists are allowed to attend executive sessions, but when it's a conversation over labor, that's that's one of the few instances where we're not exactly. letting, and that's what's happening, or that's what happened on Friday. So it's not a conversation that I'm privy to, but I can I can tell you that I I don't think that the school board would be really keen on the plan. So I spoke to the student rep on the on, on the board actually, um, Jackson Weinberg, and what he was telling me was 
that students are actually of the same mind as educators when it comes to those eight period days that, you know, 44 minutes is not enough to get seated, get situated, go through an entire lesson or yeah. a unit, and then come out feeling like you really got something. But what he specifically, and, you know, I think I have to put a disclaimer out here that he said he wasn't speaking for the district student council. He wasn't speaking for the student body as a whole. For him specifically, and, you know, just what he's heard from his friends, um, they like the routine, right? So they've been in this routine for the last few months, and they really are averse to any disruptions after a year and a half of disruptions already. Um, and he felt that, you know, even if the 44 minute periods aren't great for going through a unit of something, there are uses for that time, like a quiz, right? Or just a short sort of exercise or just something kind of an exit ticket kind of thing to, to make sure that you've got, um, a grasp on what you had learned that week and then kind of get ready for whatever the next phase is. So there are ways that those periods can be helpful and more than anything, you know, students. And I think what the board might embark on is, uh, asking students because that they've, done a lot more of uh, more student engagement kind of stuff. And uh, Jackson and the district student council um, obviously talk to their peers, right? But students find, find, you know, the routine super helpful, especially after a year of interrupted learning. So um, there's about two weeks left before winter break. And so at, at some point, there's got to be a, a discussion <laughs> of, of what this looks like, right? It's not going to drag out until the, the holiday. So on December 16th, I believe, is the next time that the uh, union and the administration are coming back to coming back to the bargaining table. So uh, the hope on the part of both admin and union negotiators is that they'll have something settled before winter break. But the head kind of negotiator for the union straight up said that the district and the union have never been farther apart on anything since they started negotiating over pandemic protocols. So uh, the next couple of weeks might be a little rocky. Let's take a quick break. Then we'll come back and talk more with Edder Campuzano, who covers education and Portland public schools for the Oregonian and Oregon Life. Okay, Edder, um, you're a busy man. <laughs> Before we let you go, I'd be remiss in moving on without asking you what else you've been working on and uh if you can tease any of it might be coming um here before the end of the year right so you know again a lot of the conversation um surrounding the pandemic has been in the way that it has widened existing gaps kind of made disparities even worse and for the last couple of years pps has you know really been talking a lot about how to do that, especially for Black students, Latino students, Native students. And so I have been chatting with administrators, with teachers, with parents and students, not just in PPS, but other districts, to right. see who is doing the work, how is it coming along, who's actually doing it right, right? Um, who has made meaningful progress in, in closing gaps between um, underserved students and the general student population. And one of the reporting trips for, for that work actually took me to my old middle school in McMinnville, um, where I sat in on, on math classes um, where the principal of six years literally told me to just poke my head into any classroom to see if I recognized any of my old teachers. <laughs> um, That's and awesome. 
So yeah, that's a uh, that's a little bit of uh, what you can what you can expect on the Ed beat in the in the coming weeks. You know, everybody agrees on what the disparities are, right, and where the gaps are. But from again all across the spectrum, the approaches have been different, and opinions on how to tackle it all have been different. And that's you know. So I guess close the loop, largely what union negotiators and PPS administrators are saying about teacher workload right now is that we know what the problems are, but miles apart on what the solutions might be. Well, it sounds like a really interesting project, and uh, we look forward to reading it uh, in the Oregonian and on Oregon Live um, later this month. Yeah, I'm excited to, to push it out and get it ready for y'all. Well, uh, thanks as always for your insight and um, expertise talking about this stuff. It's been a wild ride for parents and for teachers and for everyone involved in education as we kind of navigate these um, very ever-changing waters. And thanks for uh, explaining it all to us. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think it'd be controversial to say that in 2022, we're all kind of hoping that things even out a little bit more that there aren't any crazy surprises that nobody anywhere else in the state fires their superintendent um you know i i think we're we're all kind of looking for a little bit of calm now i'm sure it'll be just smooth sailing from here fingers crossed fingers crossed i probably jinxed it but fingers crossed all right editor thanks so much thanks again thanks for listening to beat check with you oregonian i shared links to some of editor's recent stories in the episode notes If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the program. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.